What is the current state of opinion on foreign policy in the U.S.? How do the perceptions of millennials differ from the rest of the population? From the Chicago Policy Review and the University of Chicago, this is Chicago Policy Radio. I'm your host, Julie Cooper. Today we're talking with Dina Smeltz, Senior Fellow on Public Opinion, and Craig Kafura, Senior Program Officer for Studies, both from the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. Dina and Craig oversaw the 2012 Chicago Council Survey of American Public Opinion and U.S. Foreign Policy, whose findings were recently published and which we will be talking about today. Dina, Craig, welcome, and thank you for joining us on Chicago Policy Radio. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Can you uh, describe for us the survey of American public opinion and U.S. foreign policy and the impetus behind running it? Sure. Well, the survey has been conducted since 1974 by the Chicago Council. The Council uh, traditionally, it used to be every four years, now it's every two years, but it was traditionally always launched or released. Um, around an election because it's important, they think it's important for Americans to know what other Americans, what their fellow citizens uh, prefer in terms of a foreign policy from its leader. So this is, uh, Chicago Council is a public education institute and this is one of the ways in which um, you can educate the public about what your fellow citizens think. This is the 13th uh, survey that the Chicago Council has done since 1974. Um, we started doing them biennially in 2002. Um, before that, they were done quadrennially. Can you talk a little bit about the main conclusions that came out of your findings? Sure, I'll start then. Um, basically, uh, the survey shows that after 10 years of war and this recent economic collapse and the slow recovery, Americans are recalibrating their views on how the United States should engage in world affairs. They're, uh, not convinced that the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan have been very successful and they're more wary of using force as a means to achieve foreign policy goals. So what our survey shows in general is that Americans want to scale back on large-scale interventions. Um, they also want to scale back on defense spending, bases abroad, economic aid, um, but they want to remain engaged nonetheless and they really want us to try to use our diplomatic tools and non-military tools to affect change. They're also increasingly looking at Asia. Um, traditionally, Americans have seen Europe as more important to the U.S. Um, because of our long ties with the European nations, the NATO alliance. Um, but as Asia has become a more important economic player in the world, Americans have realized you know, the growing importance of the Asian economies. And so in this survey, for example, uh, it's the first time that a majority of Americans have said that Asia is more important to the U.S. than Europe. The report specifically highlights the uh, unique foreign policy views of the millennial generation, the 18 to 29-year-old uh, age group. How, in general, do they differ from older age groups? Mm -hmm. Well, this is one of the interesting things that we'll see over time. I mean, millennials, millennials definitely stand out in this survey as being more, um, they express a higher percentage, 52 percent, 
of the millennials say we should stay out of world affairs compared to 38% overall. Um, millennials are less threatened by Asia. They do not think having a superior military power is as important as uh, older age groups. And um, the interesting thing will be how this plays out over time because when we look at data, we looked back to the last decade, it's one of the great things about having long-term longitudinal data to work with, but younger people in general tend to be less threatened about the world and millennials are less threatened about terrorism, Islamic fundamentalism. Um, and it will be interesting to see how things change in the future, whether th they look more like the age 45 and older now because they go through a maturation and life change uh, process or whether it's a trend of something new that, that they are going to, uh, that will be pressure on the government to have less of an activist foreign policy. You sort of alluded to one of the findings in the report is a, a decline in the proportion of Americans who view terrorism as a critical threat, as you said, particularly these millennials. What are some possible reasons for this, and how do you think it might impact foreign policy? One of the big things is just, um, you know, we're not as close to 9-11 as we were. Um, 2002, when we ran our survey, the first one that we did after 9-11, we saw this huge spike in concern about threats from all over the place. I mean, not just terrorism, nuclear proliferation, um, you know. Willingness to send troops in to, uh, to take out terrorist facilities. It was just generally a, a high point of American engagement and American you know, fear, frankly. Yeah, at that point, 7 in 10 said we should be active in world affairs compared to 6 in 10 now. Um, so part of it's just the fading of the memories um, and the fact that there hasn't been a major terrorist attack here in the United States since. Um, I think we're receding, seeing a return to levels of concern that are more in match with the, the 1990s about terrorism and other international threats. The interesting thing is that, they, that Americans don't see the lessened threat to be linked to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Two, two and three say the wars weren't worth the cost, and majorities also say we're no safer from terrorism because of them. Some people say that our country is more divided along partisan lines than ever before, and certainly we've seen some interesting um, outcomes from the recent election. How was this manifested in different foreign policy views among Democrats, Republicans, and independents? So the surprising thing, um, you would expect that there would be some stark polarization in foreign policy. But in fact, Americans are generally uh, in agreement on almost all foreign policy issues. There are differences between Republicans and Democrats and independents, but they're differences of degree, not differences of kind. Um, so you might have 80% you know, of Democrats supporting something with 60% of Republicans supporting it. Um, they're not outright disagreeing. Now, there are a few areas where they do disagree outright. Um, Israel is one of them, support for Israel, uh, actions to take against Iran, um, immigration. and climate change. And immigration, immigration are both much more polarized than other topics. How do your findings reflect the, or do you think they reflect the level of understanding or the level of knowledge about global affairs in general, um, just in terms of where people get their information, how their views might be skewed? Do you sort of see that manifested in any way by some of these outcomes? Well, this is a big debate in survey research. Um, 
We haven't, we've asked a few perception questions, but we didn't ask knowledge questions, like who is the vice president of the United States or who is the prime minister of Canada or something like that. Some polls do that. Those, those polls that do ask it consistently find underinformed Americans that, that aren't able to answer those questions correctly. However, our survey has looked at attitudes over time for 20, for, since 1974. Um, and what we do see is stability, coherence, structure, a logic to American opinion on foreign policy that is, has a lot of common sense. And they're uh, consistent across different issues. They've always been saying that we should work multilaterally. They do not want us to um, go to a war unilaterally or use our troops unilaterally. They've consistently supported diplomatic efforts. So um, our survey focuses on something else, not just how informed people are. Look, certainly the better informed people are, uh, sometimes it turns into a more moderate view on certain issues, for example. On immigration, uh, we did a Midwest survey on immigration. We found that those people who understand that illegal immigration has now become nearly net zero, uh, those people tend to support, by much higher margins, immigration reform. So certainly there is an impact, but that's not the gist of our survey is to find out what average Americans think across the board. And there is generally a theory in public opinion research that even if Americans don't have huge quantities of information uh, at hand, they can still make fairly rational and informed choices. So how do you think or hope your findings might influence foreign policy practitioners into the future? Well, I think um, the hope is, and you know, one of the foundations of survey research is that it's to promote democracy in our country and that uh, politicians and our political leaders and officials take a look at what Americans want for their foreign policy preferences and try to adhere to their preferences. At the same time, it's a way that Americans can hold their own leaders accountable if they stray from what they know average Americans think. So I guess as sort of a barometer or a blueprint for their future foreign policy is how I would hope it'd be used. And in a more direct way, um, I mean, we do brief uh, State Department officials when we release the survey, so they have a sense of what the American public is thinking. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Chicago Policy Radio, a production of the Chicago Policy Review and the Harris School of Public Policy at the University of Chicago. Our podcast was produced and edited by Julie Cooper and Claire O'Hanlon. Special thanks this week to the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ryan Gee. You can find us at www.chicagopolicyreview.org and on iTunes, or email us at media at chicagopolicyreview.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time. <laughs>